This is a Main Hustle Media Podcast. Hello and welcome to the show. My name is Jackie O and you're listening to Militantly Mixed. Yo, this is Rashani from the Single Simulcast. And when I'm not making you laugh or making up parody songs, I'm kicking back listening to Militantly Mixed. Hey y'all, welcome to Militantly Mixed, a podcast about race and identity from the mixed race perspective. I am your host, Charmaine, aka Mixed Girl Maine, and I'm back from my mental health hiatus. Um, this episode is episode 60, and it is airing on September 3rd. 2019. I'm so glad to finally be back. I really, really missed sort of the activeness of doing a weekly show. While I'm really glad I took the break, I I did miss it. I miss I miss being able to do this a lot. So here's what's been going on for the last month. I have been recording the intros for the for the reruns though, so I haven't been fully disengaged. But I haven't I hadn't been doing any interviews uh, related to Militantly Mixed. I did. Uh, last week I did do a pre-screen, which you know was a long conversation, but it, the guest was uh, international guest. So I wanted to make sure that we got a chance to do that. I also did do a couple in-person recordings for Blurred Comics, which will be released this and next week. But primarily, I stayed away from interviewing, and all the things that I did related to the shows were promotion and/or expansion stuff, trying to develop Main Hustle Media as a company further. So. I'm really, really glad I took the break, though, because I needed it. I was in in a very, my coping mechanisms were way off by the time I ended July, and I absolutely needed this break. I will say that personally, life is actually way harder right now than it was a month ago, but because I took the mental break that I took, uh, my coping mechanisms are in a better place. I can actually handle a little bit better what I'm going through now than I could even a month ago. Uh, so here's the update. Over the course of this last month, I have been actively looking for a replacement job. As y'all know, I lost my job unexpectedly in June. I took out money for my 401ks and my life insurance policy and my uh, been on unemployment, but um, that money's gone. Once I pay the rent here in September, that's it. I have no more money. My bank account goes down to zero and I don't know what I'm going to do for the next month. I'm continuing to try to find work and temping and things like that, but I. Um, it's very likely that if I don't find a job right away, I'm going to be in really messed up straits by the end of the month. Uh, unfortunately, my husband also, he's a college professor. His classes were reduced this semester. So all in all, on a professional level, my husband and I, our life is kind of falling apart. <laughs> uh, so we don't really know what we're going to do. We're two people with upper level degrees that have been underemployed for majority of our adulthood and um and now we find ourselves at 41 in pretty dire straits and not able to to find stable long-term employment which is really weird given our skill sets but um but that's the reality of the situation and so personally things are pretty rough uh but the the light in my life is getting to do these shows so i just have to find a way to turn these shows into the way that i can survive which is what I've been working on throughout the course of August. A couple ways in which I was doing that and ways in which you as a Militantly Mixed audience came through for me was uh, I put up some t-shirts on Teespring, uh, a fundraiser shirt, the Be Your Mixed Ass Self t-shirt, and a couple other shirts mixed AF, unapologetically mixed. And of course, the logo shirts are always up on, on Teespring if you want them. Uh, weird thing is that the, the Be Your Mixed Ass Self was supposed to be a temporary fundraiser shirt, as a way to generate more interest in purchases. Uh, and it was supposed to come down on August 31st. And it didn't. It did for me. So from my creator perspective, I can no longer see that that shirt exists. But from the store perspective, it's still there. And I know you can still buy it because someone bought one yesterday. And yesterday was September 1st. <laughs> so I guess you can still get shirt the shirt. I don't have access to it. I've reached out to Teespring to try to figure out what's going on. But until that gets sorted out, if you still want that shirt, you better go get it now because it is available temporarily. I did set out to um, sell 200 shirts by the end of August. I did actually only hit 30. 
items. So not just the shirts, it was like mugs and totes and things like that. Uh, but I did sell 30 items over the last two weeks of August, which really does help quite a bit. Um, it, it, it helped me take care of a few things that are sort of annual renewals for stuff that I have going on um, to be able to do the podcasting. So that was great because obviously I can no longer pay my own personal money to to do this kind of stuff while I'm unemployed. So that was awesome. Thank you so much for coming through there. I will try to get a few more shirts up. But yeah, for right now, the t-shirts is pretty much how I'm how I'm going to be able to sustain my life a little bit if I sell enough sell enough shirts. As far as the other things, I did I say this already? I don't think I did. Before I decided to go on a hiatus in the month of August, I put up a goal to hit $100 a month by the end of August on Patreon sponsorship and increase that $100 each month until we hit $500 a month uh, in December. And then I decided to go on hiatus and I thought, well, that's, I, I've just screwed that up. It's not going to happen because, you know, I'm not going to be releasing any new shows. So there's no way I'll hit the goal in August. And as of August 23rd, I did hit that goal. Some of y'all came through in a big, bad way. Um, some of you increased your current sponsorship. A handful of folks reduced their sponsorship as soon as I made the announcement that I wanted to, to, to hit $100. Um, but then new people jumped in. So it was kind of a mixed bag in the at the beginning of the month, I thought, oh, gosh, I'm losing. Actually, this was this messed me up by announcing I wanted to hit a goal. People started pulling their money out. But a lot of people came through. I had one increase up to $40 a month from one person, one increase up to $25 a month from one person. I got a number of uh, dollar levels, which is great because it's just a tip jar. There's, you know, nothing but just a, like, hey, I like this. Keep it going. And then the, the $3 levels and above gets the shout outs on Twitter and Instagram, things like that. So. Uh, I have been shouting out people who have increased or added their new sponsorship on Instagram and Twitter. You can check them out there. And uh, and so, yeah, we actually, as of right now, we're actually at $120 a month. The goal for September is $200 a month, so $80 more to go. And it just shows me that, I mean, when when I am honest about what's going on in my life, which is not easy to do, to tell y'all, like, shit, I lost my job and you know, I don't know if I'm going to have rent by the end of the month. It's an, it's an embarrassing thing to admit. It's, it's not a comfortable thing to admit. And yet some of y'all came through and was like, we don't want the show to end. So if it helps to support the show, I like some of the messages I got was basically like, I know you're going through something. And while I can't do much more than this, I want to know that the show's going to keep going. So I'm giving what I can. And it, that kind of stuff has just meant so much. I'm, I'm so appreciative of the folks who came through during the month of August. So as of right now, $120 a month of sponsorship. And it just, it just means so much. So uh, yes, I am trying to hit 200 by the end of September, 300 by the end of October, 400 by the end of November, 500 by the end of December, etc. But you know, I know that it'll take time to grow the audience to bigger, uh, to be able to sustain that kind of sponsorship. There's a lot of shows out there that make over, you know, a couple thousand dollars a month. Uh, they have a lot bigger audiences. So I think I'm doing pretty good given that I don't have the most giant audience in the world, but I have extremely supportive audience. So thank you so much. Between the emails that y'all sent me, encouraging my mental health hiatus, between the sponsorship through Patreon, the purchasing of the t-shirts. Yeah, it's just like, I know that you're out there supporting me and I appreciate it so much. And I will keep on my hustle to try to keep this going because I know that you need it as much as I do. And I'm just really grateful for that. Uh, another cool thing that happened over the course of August was that we hit 10,000 downloads of Militantly Mixed. So in 13 months, the show has now been downloaded over 10,000 times. And I, that's, for me, that's a crazy huge number. I mean, there are shows that get a million downloads a week they're a different kind of level of success. This is a huge level of success considering that as mixed race people, we are spread out all over the place. We don't really have a centralized community or safe space that we can go to feel validated and, and not, you know, not alone and things like that. So the internet is kind of how we get to do that, knowing that at least 10,000 times somebody has downloaded an episode and hopefully it affected them and they kept going with the show uh, that it, it just means so much. I mean, I get told in the, a lot of these podcast engagement things that I do, how niche mine is, or they're like, well, how are you going to sustain that? 
or you should have other shows so that you can keep it, you know, keep your business going, which of course I am doing, but all of my shows are niche. All of my shows are niche because I'm niche and um, I don't have communities within these areas. And so I created the shows so that I can find my community and y'all are showing me that you needed it too. And I just appreciate it. I'm so excited that the show has hit 10,000. I mean, the goal, so right about right now, just so you guys know how, how it is, about right now, the last few months before August, we had finally hit 1,000 downloads a month. And, you know, like I said, a lot of shows get, a, you know, 10,000 or more, a million downloads in an episode. But uh, Militantly Mixed for the longest time was getting about 40. And then it just kind of kept increasing and um, a week, a week that is. And out of by May, June, it sort of broke open a little bit and, and we were hitting multiple downloads a week from folks where you could tell people were binging it. And uh, so a lot of this summer, I can tell that there's like at least one person a day is binging it because I'll see one, 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 one across a lot of the older episodes or I'll see like two or three for some of our, you know, more popular episodes and things like that. So. I know you're all out there binging and catching up. Thank you for listening to everybody's stories because everybody shares a unique perspective. And even if it isn't exactly your mix, there is something there that you can relate to. So, you know, keep working your way through the show. You'll, you'll get a lot of good gems and I will continue to share um, other folks' stories that, that will speak to you as well. I know I learn something with everybody I talk to. And I also feel like I can be a support system to people who are sort of new and facing their mixedness as well, because I've been at this for a long time at this point, you know, talking about being mixed with folks around the world. So I'm excited and I am so appreciative. I hope you can tell I, that I am very appreciative of, uh, of all your support and I'm going to keep it going as, as much as I can. And hopefully y'all will continue to support me through it. Uh, so yeah, I guess that's good. If you want to continue to support the show on Patreon, you can go to patreon.com slash militantly mixed and uh, support us as low as a dollar, which is just a chip jar all the way up to, I think I have $25. I'm going to add a couple categories and I'm going to change up the swag. There'll be some t-shirts up there pretty soon. So uh, if you could sponsor us at those levels each month, you know, it really does help keep the show going and um yeah that'll get we'll get there we'll get to 500 a month but if you if you can support at any level even even a dollar that stuff adds up i have quite a few dollar level uh supporters and without if i lost them all in one day i'd be screwed so <laughs> keep it going keep those dollars those dollar levels coming in as well um because that's kind of bread and butter to be honest all right this guest this week is molly she is known as the mixed trick travels on instagram when that's chick with a q and she also has a side hustle, a yarn dyeing company called the Mimo, me, M-I-M-O, uh, Yarn Co., all with underscores under there. The links are in the show notes. And she connected to my page through both the mixed raceness and the, the yarn stuff because a couple months back, I've talked about it before, uh, there was this huge explosion of obvious racism within the yarn community. Uh, so for those of us that are either knitters, crocheters, or yarn dyers, we were seeing, of color, we were seeing all of this racism geared towards us. And um, and so a lot of us kind of found each other during that time. And she connected with the show during then. We actually recorded this about a month and a half ago. I recorded it before the hiatus. So you'll hear us talking about things that are a little bit from July and June, the uh, the casting of a Black Ariel, the big blow up that happened in the yarn community. A couple months back things like that but you know we talk about what it's like to be mixed in the uk in her case and and i get to see for me i get to see the flip side of my own experiences that i am also a mix of caucasian british and black heritage she is uh, mixed with caucasian british indian guyanese and jamaican uh so she gets to to have the experience of being a mixed brit in the uk while i'm mixed brit here in the states and I can see sort of the crossovers between her, like her experience and my father um, and my experience as well. And we talk about, you know, what it's like being mixed in London versus being mixed in the countryside, things like that. So, yeah, you just learn. I learned something all the time. And I as, as part of why I love doing this show. And Molly's really she's really sweet. Um, I, I really enjoyed getting a chance to speak with her. So her birthday was actually last week. So shout out to Molly for your birthday, even though it's a week late. And I hope 
y'all enjoy this episode. We got good content up through the next six weeks and I still need to be finding new people. So if you have been considering reaching out to me and you want to be on the show and we haven't already talked, please hit me up at Charmaine at MilitantlyMixed.com. That's S as in Sam, H-A-R, M as in Mary, A, N as in Nancy, E at MilitantlyMixed.com or slide into my DMs on Twitter and Instagram and, uh, and we can get you set up so that so we can share your story as well. And without further ado, please help me welcome Molly, the Mixed Chick Travels. Pew, 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 pew. So this week's guest is Molly. We we discovered each other through Instagram. And Molly, why don't you introduce yourself to the audience and then we'll get into it. Hello, lovely people. I'm Molly. I'm from the UK. I am mixed race, but my mom would always say that I'm black, even though, you know, we argue about that. Um, so my <laughs> mom's family is, her mother was English and my grandfather was half Indian, half Guyanese. And my dad was born in the UK, but both his parents are from Jamaica. Um, I'm, I work in a call centre in Chester in the UK. And I've also started my own little bit uh, side hustle of hand-dyeing yarn, but, which is called the Mimo Yarn Company. But you can find that on my Instagram, which is the Mixed Chick Travels, and it's all linked in there. And uh, yeah, thanks for having me today. Thanks for coming on. I'm excited to talk. I'm always personally excited to talk to a fellow mixed Brit because that's what my dad was and that's, you know, <laughs> by extension I am. So yeah, I get excited about that. So initially our connection is through the, the the yarn, the crafting world or whatever, because there's been an excessive amount of racism going down in our community for some reason. We have no idea what prompted it to finally be out of the closet like that, but like it is really going crazy. <laughs> Well, yeah, I mean, sometimes I have to just unfollow, not because I don't believe in what they're saying. It's just a bit overwhelming and makes me quite upset. Right. Just, it's it's too much. Even, um, I think Black Girl Magic uh, Knits posted something last week about they released that the new Disney live aerial movie would be having a black actress. Mm-hmm. And people cre- were creating, like, Facebook groups saying, let's make aerial white again. And just seeing some of the comments that people write is just, it's heartbreaking because you're just... It's just ignorance. You're you're trying to say that basically black or mixed race is ugly. It's not pretty. And it why is one standard of color seen as pretty and the others not? Like we all, if you cut me open, I'll still bleed the same as you. You know, we. I don't. I just don't get it. Really, it's just frustrating. Right. This aerial thing is ridiculous because they're talking about like legitimately. I have seen posts about historical accuracy, which is fucking hilarious because we're talking about a fictional creature who is you know um, not even a redheaded white girl but in fact a green mermaid who (laughs) who uh decides to fall in love with a human like this if you were talking about historical accuracy about the original piece that it's based off of then i would prefer to see horror little mermaid but i understand what disney did so i'm glad to see a black actress play Ariel, I do. I mean, honestly, I just cannot believe that people are bent out of shape about whether or not there is a person of color playing any Disney role. Of course. I mean, you need different ethnicities in all roles because it then leads to children of that ethnicity thinking that they could go on to be an actor or an actress and pursue roles like that it shouldn't just be you're always stereotyped for a role oh well you're black so you're going to be a gangster or a drug dealer or you know gonna just have sex with loads of different women you know life's not like that it's 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 giving representation to people that don't usually get it and you can see that on netflix now you know all their movies and series that they now bring out there's always different people of ethnicity a lot more asian uh, people from the community as well as mixed race black you know it's trying to include everybody because we're all on this planet together so why should one one set of people be privileged and others aren't like I don't you know what I'm 30 next month and this stuff stresses me out it's just 
I don't understand. Why can't we all just get along and just live in a peaceful planet? Why do we have to just bring it down to skin colour, which was which was brought in because they couldn't... What was it I, I heard somewhere? It was on one of the uh, table talks with uh, Jada Pinkett, and she had this lady in that was trying was an advocate for um, people of colour. And she said the whole reason that race was actually brought in was, I think, the 14th century, because they couldn't figure out what religion you were in. So they then started to kind of pick on you by the colour of your skin, and that's where it generated from. Mm. So, you know, we're doing we're going back to something that happened in the 14th century, and we're a lot more smarter and up-to-date with technology, yet we're still regurgitate, like we I can't even say the word. But, you know, we're <laughs> doing all these things, and it just seems so stupid. Yeah, and it's really ridiculous. Like, unless there is an actual reason, a context for that person to be of a particular ethnicity, like Black Panther, it is important that Black Panther is Black because he is from Wakanda, and Wakanda is supposed to be an African nation. And not mm. only that, it's a separatist nation, so they're all going to be Wakanda and they're all going to be black. So in that case, yeah, you don't cast a white person or an East Indian person or East Asian person or um, South Asian or Latino. Like, that makes sense. But cool. an arbitrary character like a Cinderella or a Belle or an Ariel. It could be whoever could you want. Be it could be whoever you want to be. You know, so yeah, I, I can't believe that kind of stuff is. But this the stuff that's been going on in the in the yarn world, in the in the dyeing world has been crazy for a while now because there were there were famous white dyers that I was getting their yarn forever who were jumping on the Black Panther bandwagon last year mm. and but it was like it was like after some black dyers were were posting their things and then you know it would be kind of like a very similar photograph of yarn and things like that like very similar inspiration and it did kind of feel like <sighs> I guess I had, I had this I, idea in its mind, but it's like, no, you stole it. Yeah, it did. It did feel like, you know, give give the, you know, rather than being like, oh, this black yarn dyer is doing a Black Panther series. So I'm going to do a Black Panther series. It could be like, hey, folks, I know you like my stuff. But if you like my stuff, check out this, you know, yeah, woman of color who's out here dying, like, you know, mm -hmm. that would have been a nicer, a nicer thing, I think. But that sparked a number of different things. And since then, it's just been like this spiral of, you know, first, it doesn't even occur to them that uh, people of color are crafters or that we might have an inclination towards other people of color, you know, yarn dyers and, and things like that. It's it's pretty baffling. I, I just don't understand why it's become so prevalent lately in the in the crafting world. I think it started in January, didn't it, from the blog post. I can't remember the lady's name and it's just escalated. And if it's not each month, each week, there's something new coming up, you know. Mm -hmm. It's also talking about inclusive, I can't speak today, I'm tongue twisted, you know, sizing, making sure that sizing is um, available to all those people, you know, just having fair representation. It's not just black knitters, it's also men that knit, you know, they, right. they get forget forgotten about also. There's it, just so much and something that's supposed to be your happy place, you know, you sit down, maybe with a cup of tea, glass of wine, I don't know, whatever your beverage is. You just want to sit, chill knit and do your nice pattern and then to know that that's going on in the background you know such negativity and people don't see that I, I don't know it yeah, all just blows yeah. my mind and then sometimes I want to I want to comment I want to say things but then you don't know who you're gonna upset you're always gonna upset someone you don't it's just it's it's such a tricky kind of situation to navigate and when you try to explain to people experiences you've had as a person of color I say predominantly mixed race because it is hard when you're mixed because you are two different ethnicities and you're trying to deal with both those cultures they they always try to like no you know it's not as bad as you think it is what are you talking about it's like seriously this happens to me all the time. Mm -hmm. Yeah, like, when you and I were talking earlier, you you were talking about just in your face racism where people are actually showing you that they're uncomfortable with your presence in public oh, spaces. Yeah. I went I went food shopping last week with my boyfriend because I did some catering for his dad's party and I was just running around the supermarket. I'm an ex-chef. Food excites me. And I was just trying to buy some flowers and I was just looking around the like unit that they have in the supermarket with all the different flowers. I was oblivious to it. I don't I don't don't look at what people are staring at anymore but he said when we left he's like, I didn't want to say anything while we're in there but some old dude was just staring at you like just point blank staring at you and um he just my boyfriend Mike just ended up staring him out and just like what are you looking at 
we used to get it on the tube in London. We'd just be there sitting, chatting to each other, you know. Mike's a big, like, six-foot kind of guy. Ginger hair, freckles, very British. I'm mixed race with, like, short-cut Afro hair. And people just stare at us. And it's just, it makes you feel awkward. It's not a nice mm-hmm. feeling. It's like you're in a petri dish and they're just staring at you. It's like, seriously? We're, yeah. we're doing this? We're doing this now? Like, and- you know, it's just... It's like a human aquarium. It's like there. I can see you looking at me like that. <laughs> like I can, I can oh, yeah. see you being that way towards me. Uh, I find it very refreshing. So, okay, from from my perspective, being an American born but with British influence in my life because I grew up with my nan and everything. Uh, growing up when I was younger, when we would watch thing, you know, shows from England, they always seemed to have a mixed race presence, or almost you would see more mixed race black people than you would see full black people in a lot yeah. of things. And then as I've gotten older and continued to watch British comedy and things like that, you do see you you see at some point someone has to turn to the to the black person and be like, you're mixed, right? Or you're half and half, right? Or something like that. Yeah, Um, they use the butt of the joke. Right. If you, do you see that that is, do you feel a sense of representation by just the presence of, of mixed people on shows or because they are used as kind of a, a joke within the show and a, a, like a non-threatening black person or whatever you want to say, is that, how, is that obvious from your perspective growing up out there? Um, definitely now I'd say there's more representation of mixed race black people as well as Asian and, you know, different, different ethnicities. Mm-hmm. Um, I think they kind of, they used to stereotypically, you know, they're a bad family, there's going to be issues with them kind of thing. Obviously, I've been out of the UK for 15 months, been traveling. So I don't, I can definitely see since I've come back, adverts have got more people of different ethnicities as well as sexualities. Mm. You know, they're trying to make everybody inclusive because it's such a big drive at the moment. And it should be, it should be like that normally. It shouldn't now be a big drive. It should be there. That should be the standard, you know, it's difficult to say but yeah I do think they always get somebody that is lighter skinned because it doesn't seem so threatening Mm. but you know or sometimes you know I'm in a very white dominated part of the UK there are not that many black people here like if I want to get my hair done I have to go back home to London Mm. even in Canada I struggled to get my hair cut and I even got like a racial slur from another mixed race person when I was in Canada and I explained what my heritage was it's like oh you're a mongrel (gasps) no I'm not a mongrel. I mean, so I got a job in a bakery in um, Canada and they had this sign. It's like, what to say if you were to get arrested, the rights that you would read. So I'd already read those rights and I was on my third strike of the day. Something bad, two things had already happened that were bad that day. And I was like, I just need one more strike and I know it's a sign that I'm not supposed to be here. Mm. So I read the sign and then the manager's son was like, "Um, when you get a chance, make sure you read that. And because I'm too fast, I already read it. I was like, oh, why is that? He's like, well, not too not to be rude but you're black aren't you Mm. I was like right so because it's something to do with police and law you think I'm more likely to get arrested and I I worked my shift and I emailed and I said look I'm really sorry I won't I'll finish the shifts that you've got me roted on for but I will not be I won't be staying here for my employment and the next day the 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 manager who is his mom said you know what happened and explained she's like I'm so upset like I'm so angry for you you know he didn't mean it in that way, but the intent is the way that it's happened. It has it has offended you. She's like, our oh, bakery downtown has got so many different people from different backgrounds. I really wish you'd stay. I'm like, I, I can't. It's just not for me. I don't think mm-hmm. this is work out. Then we were living in a small town in uh, British Columbia. And my landlord at the time kept saying, oh, you know, my father's going to buy new furniture. My father, And, you know, he predominantly said, you know, I'm from Texas. My, my ex-wife's parents are part of the KKK. Oh, my granddad used to own slaves, you know, just dropping things like it was just wow. a conversation. And then um, he kept going on about this furniture. I was like, oh, why doesn't he get it now? He's like, I think the reason he's getting me new furniture is because I actually rent to a black woman. I was like, right. So you're happy to take my money each month, but, you know, you're happy for your dad to replace the furniture because you're basically saying I'm dirty. Um, we ended up leaving two, mo- two weeks earlier than um, we were supposed to. And our friends, like, um, let us stay with them because we were then getting the train over to, back to Toronto from Vancouver and um my normal self I wouldn't say what had upset me I would just hold a grudge but I thought you know what I'm gonna say something because if I don't say something it's gonna happen to somebody else and that's not right and I said the reason that we left early is because the comment that you made was inappropriate and you actually offended me I said it caused me to run upstairs and cry in my room I said you know 
you have to think about these things sometimes. Like, yeah, it might sound like you're bigging it up to your friends, but is it is it of st- is it useful? Is it useful information? Is it going to better you or me as a person? If it's not, don't fucking say it, because you don't know all the stuff that you go through being just being a female, being a female of color, especially when you're having to uh-huh. deal with the likes of people that all dress the same. You all look like they shop in Topshop and H and M. They have all the big eyebrows and the lip filler now, and you're competing with that. Yeah. It's like, yeah. you know, you, the reason I left is because of what you said was inappropriate. It's not on. He's like, you know, I won't accept the furniture. I was like, by all means, accept the furniture. But no, this is the reason. And the fact that you keep telling your friends like it's some kind of golden to- token to be to, to talk about. Like, it's not. That's my feelings at the end of the day. I can't change the colour of my skin. This is what I was born as. This is the person I am. But I can educate people and be like, no, what you said was out of line. Mm-hmm. Because if somebody was to ever say that to his kids saying, oh, you know, the reason that I think we're going to change our furniture is because you're too white and, you know... You- we're gonna just have to you would you'd be so upset yeah you almost wonder if if doing that as an experiment would help people at all even understand but in in the end you'd be yeah you you'd you'd be guilty of the same types of thing they're doing and and they probably wouldn't learn the lesson anyway but yeah it's a constant thing like even for general basic things at some point my ethnicity will come up in a conversation at the dentist or Mm. uh, i was getting my my hair done recently just cut just just a trim and uh, there was another Japanese person who in in the salon at the time and the person who was cutting my hair found out I was part Japanese so she tells her oh she's Japanese too and we're starting to engage and the first thing that the the Japanese like and I'm talking about like Japanese from Japan um, the first thing she does is she comes up and touches my hair and she goes oh your hair's not like black people at all because they knew I was black and Japanese and I was like no not no <laughs> like no my hair is like Japanese hair and the first thing that that like you could see it affect her where she was like no because Japanese have the whole thing about we don't mix so your hair couldn't possibly be like Japanese hair but she couldn't understand why it wasn't like black hair and oh. she actually said nappy but she was oh also my God. I had someone call say that when I was working at a spa last year and I got so offended I went on a rant on Instagram I never usually rant I'm not that person but I just don't have the patience nor tolerance anymore to give any more fucks right jeez listeners I swear loads I, I'm I used to work in a kitchen They're so used to uh, me. um but um yeah but i i hate people going and touching my hair or I, I used to have quite a lot of i used to have dreadlocks so you'd get people asking really oh do you wash your hair like how do you wash it mm. i wash my hair the same way that you wash your hair yeah Don't be so ignorant and it's also they think you're the spokesperson for everybody that has dreadlocks or has right. an Af- no go there's this thing called google like go google it one I don't understand people's compulsion to touch hair of other people. Like at no point am I ever curious enough about somebody else's hair that I need to touch it. it. Even if I find somebody's hairstyle awesome and I'm like, oh my gosh, your hair is amazing. My compulsion is not to touch the hair. Oh wait, I would always ask though. It's like, it's a bit like I've got someone in my family that's pregnant currently and she's like, touch my belly. I'm like, no. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, like why? Like I'm intrigued by pregnancy, don't get me wrong, but it scares me too because I'm like, wow, you know, there's a little person in there. Like you're building a human, yeah, it's very weird. So the fact that she gave me permission to touch her belly, I was like, okay, that's cool. But it's not, or even friends, like I spoke to a colleague today at work, she's like, if you wanted to touch my belly, that's fine. I'm like, yes, but it's the fact you're giving permission for that. It's not someone, just some random person coming right. out on that to touch you. It's the same with your hair. I don't know where your hands have been. My hair is not a plaything. It's part of who I am. You can't just go in there and put your hands in it. Also, if we have a particular style, it, it may have taken some work to get our hair in that position. We don't want yes. someone's hands up there re- wrecking it. But separate from that, I don't understand the compulsion at all. Like for me, the only time I met, like my mom's a hairstylist. I grew up around hair being a thing and I still don't have the inclination to just go touch someone's hair. You know, unless it's like you're having a slumber party and people are braiding each other's hair or something like that. That's one thing. Um, There's times when I like when I like to have my hair played with, but not randomly out on the street or when I'm at Mm. work or, you know, something like that. I would, you know, if I'm at home and we're hanging out and it's just like, hey, braid my hair or massage my head while we're watching TV. That's that's 
that's how that happens you know i just don't have the inclination and i don't understand why people do and and i don't like when people say to i don't like when white people say to black people or people with uh with different styles of hair than them to be like oh uh my hair is so boring and flat uh but your hair and then they use it as like this weird compliment to also other you at the same time Uh, i used to I think like only now recently in the UK I'd say in the last two years you can get like um sheer moisture or what's the company called you know you can now get like black hair products in the actual shops you don't have to go to a specific Afro-Caribbean shop which is usually owned by people that are are Asian but because they know where to get the products Mm -hmm. or you know they know that they 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 know about getting having different products because they use different products themselves just from even like indian people using oils for indian head massage all the different like oils to help with treatment of hair it's not like you can just go to the supermarket and just buy a random shampoo or conditioner our hair is completely different it doesn't yeah. doesn't work like that i don't have to wash my hair as regularly as somebody that has caucasian style hair i might wash my hair maybe once or twice a month because my hair needs the moisturizer it doesn't need me to wash it out it needs those natural oils mm-hmm. to help it to grow even having dreadlocks i used to wash like i used to hate having to wash it because it takes 24 hours for it to dry right especially if you wash it in the evening you go to bed your pillow is just sopping wet it's just like a big massive mop bucket mm. uh, but you know it's it's when you get stupid comments like when kim kardashian went and got braids and she's like oh look at my bro Derek braids right. fuck you no that's not how it is if you're gonna do it it's cultural appreciation. It's like when people go to Coachella and they wear the native headdresses of of like of native Indians. It, you don't. You have to know the history behind it. It's not a fashion statement. You don't pick and choose the bits that you want, and then don't have to deal with the issues that come with it. Right. You know, everybody's going around nowadays getting all this lip filler and bum filler and everything. So they want all these all these things that they don't naturally have, and God knows what that stuff does to your body anyway afterwards. Because mm. no, there's not enough science at the moment to know where it all goes. But you know, some of these lips are awful. They can't even close their mouth. It's just... Right, and I live here in Los Angeles where this is like the capital of plastic surgery here in the United (laughs) States. And you can walk down, like if you go into Beverly Hills, you can walk down the street and you could just see people of, you could just tell who's had work done. You know, lips are shaped different. Skin is pulled too tight. Eyes don't seem to be shaped correctly because of the skin is so tight. Uh, Hairlines are weird because of it. Boobs are perfectly round, you know, like, just so many things yeah and everybody looks the same when they have this surgery it's not a natural some of them do look natural and you would never know but the rest of them it's very tight taut yeah pointy it's like the comedian paul mooney says about cultural appropriation the black man in america is the most copied man on this planet bar none everybody want to be a nigga but nobody want to be a nigga like it's you yeah. want the the things that you find cool about blackness but you don't want to deal with it even deal with the things on a on an ally level even just like putting your white body in front of black bodies to protect them and you know trying to put forward legislature that protects people of color things like that like even yeah. on that scale people aren't willing to participate it's, it's even like i used to, before i was with my current boyfriend i was i was with someone for five years and we met online but online nearly 10 years ago is completely different to what's online nowadays and I remember I had um this guy must have been old enough to be my granddad and he he wrote me a post was like I'm really sorry you know I don't I don't feel the same way he's like oh of course you'd say that you're just a a dumb nigger I was like oh right okay so I see how this is going or just Mm -hmm. being dating apps like tinder and that it's not a fun experience if you're someone of color because you do get like they make it it makes you feel like people don't like you because you are of color or maybe they want to get with you because you're a certain color i met one he was trying to work his way through the races is what he said oh my goodness i'm like oh great for you that's you know well done I, i hope that works out for you yeah it's it's difficult but i you know i am at that point now where i just i don't want to be silenced i'm not here to make people feel upset or awkward but I feel awkward all the time like I said I live in a very white dominated area I always kind of like with my with my parents we weren't close to my dad's parents I lost my 
My dad's dad died when I was four, and my grandmother never really wanted anything to do with me and my sister. She didn't believe that my mum was actually mixed race. She made my mum bring her parents to the house to prove that my mum was mixed race. Wow. She, she would not engage with my grandmother, who was British, who was white. And this is a woman, my nan, who who is my mum's mother, who, po- who passed away, I think it'd be six years this year, and she's awesome. You know, she dated a black man in the 1960s in England. She used to get spat at. She used to get stones thrown at her. She used to be called a slag, a slut. My mum and her siblings used to get chased home and, and called, like, you know, gollywogs and all these stupid things. And people were like, oh, you know, nobody means it. They're only joking. It's like, no, it's not. But the joke itself is har- is hurtful. So why do yeah. I have to be okay? Why do I have to accept it as just a joke if it's actually designed to be hurtful or harmful? Exactly. Like People only say it's a joke when they're just trying to soften the blow of them being honest with you. Mm-hmm. Whenever someone says, or oh, what's another one? I don't mean to be rude, but well, you're just prepping me for you to say something that's something not rude. appropriate. <laughs> right. So yeah. just don't say it. You but... when you said the word gollywog, which is a very triggering word for me. Um, I don't uh my audience has heard it a few times, but I don't know how how well like the the Americans of my audience, I don't know if they're even aware of it besides hearing it from me. But my nan used to have gollywogs around the house. Oh my god, they have the me and my me and my mom and sister went to the Isle of Wight a month ago, and it's you just get a ferry across from um, Portsmouth. It's like forty five minutes. It is part of the UK, and uh, it's you know very quaint place, thatched cottages, clotted cream, afternoon tea, everything like that. And um, you'd go into like the souvenir shops, and they're selling gollywogs. And as soon as wow. I saw one, I was like, I'm out. You're not getting my money. The fact you're selling that is not on. Mm-hmm. Like they used to be famous in the UK on like the marmalade jars, and mm-hmm. you save enough tokens and you could get one but I think there was a big deal about it a few years ago in the in the news over here and they were to say that it like they're no longer advocating those they're like it's it's seen as a racial thing right you know but when it was with the marmalade it was part of the whole marmalade it was never seen as a racist thing but whenever I saw those in those shops there it just made me feel awful Hmm. like I remember we're going to the island because my parents used to take us to the Isle of Wight all the time for Easter Mum would always book a caravan in Easter when it's pissing down with rain and it'd be cold and wet. And I'm like, yeah, great holiday, Mum. Great memories. No, but they were good memories. And um, I think my sister went into the pub first and then my mum followed. But obviously, because my mum... My mum looks Mediterranean, but she is, you know, half white, half black. And um, so my sister went in and my mum followed and she heard someone say, oh, look, the blackies are here. Wow, then, really? Yeah, like... <laughs> It's difficult. It's just I've always felt that I'm ugly because of the color of my skin and that I couldn't compete with somebody who is white with Caucasian hair, you know, rose lips and rose nipples, none of this chocolate malarkey and all this rubbish. And I've and I used to feel like that. I always used to think when I was younger, it'd be so much easier for me if I was white because being mixed race is not hard, but you're trying to figure out who you are. You're of two different nationalities, maybe more than just two. You're of different descents and you're trying to work it out for yourself. And when all you see in magazines is pretty white girls with like curly, like nice curls or straight, dead straight hair. And they pull off, you know, like it's only recently you see like black of mixed race people in makeup adverts. Not that I wear makeup, but, you know, right. the whole beauty industry always pushes that white is pretty, white is pretty. You know, I, I I was always the friend that would end up holding coats or pulling people's hair back when they're being sick because I wasn't the one getting hit on. I was just there. Or I remember getting hit on once when I was at university and this guy's like, you look like Rihanna. And I'm like, no, I don't. No. I, I, I find that the fetishizing, the, the, the type of thing that happens to mixed people where we're somehow a, a higher beauty standard than a monoracial person of color i mean it's 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 harmful and it and it creates it creates strife between different peoples of color and everything like that but even within ourselves is somehow the way we are treated as both sometimes more beautiful than monoracial people of color but also lesser uh, gosh exactly how am i thinking of it like i've been i've been i've been told before like i'm not as much of a threat or that i'm a palatable black person because uh you know i don't look all the way black or anything like that i you know i'm not scary you know things like that like I've had people actually say stuff like this to me in the workplace and and everything like that or someone will say uh I actually did have a a guy say to me one time that uh when he was trying to get at me which was getting with you I can have it's like having sex with an Asian and a black person and and a white person all at all at one time like it, it was basically like 
a menage a four except for I was one person. I I would want to throw back you talk to your mama with that mouth. Because like, <laughs> come on. It's just No, oh. people are trash. Everybody's garbage. I mean that that's basically yeah. the thing that we that that we learn here. But the 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 weird exoticizing of us or the fetishizing of us or turning us into these weird kind of mythical creatures of, you know, almost not human versions of different races and how mm. also we're supposed to end racism because eventually everybody will look like us look at look you can look at the at my militantly mixed instagram and see all the faces of everybody who's been on this show so much so far and tell me that we all look alike you know tell me that oh, we're oh. gonna save racism when we look as different from each other as anybody of any race looks oh, from each other we're not gonna be out here saving racism or saving humanity from racism and we're not these mythical beings that are somehow uh the best of all the things that we're mixed with. I, there was a guy I used to like when I was younger and we were friends um, and I think he was talking to his friend saying oh yeah you know Molly's really nice you know I would like to date her because she's she's the best of both you know she's got a nice body it's like basically being with like a white person but she's got a banging body because she's got the bar wow so like the young naive he was like oh my god he's complimenting me and when i think about it now i'm like no you're not no that's not on yeah i'm still human you know my my as i just said to you before we we came on the podcast i would say when people ask me what what is my ethnicity i'm like i'm hot chocolate I'm like what i'm like I'm three parts chocolate, one part milk. I'm like, that's how I see myself. And it's just, it's an ongoing thing. I'm always trying. I remember my friend, she was very drunk at the time. And I was like, I'm, I'm really ugly. You know, I, I, I don't like who I am. She's like, Molly, you're an amazing human. You are kind. You are beautiful. And the, and the quicker you realize that, the better you're going to be. She's like, fuck what everybody else thinks. But like, but it hurts. Like what people say is pain is it's, it's hurtful. And also it's tiring. I'm tired. Right. right. I'm 30. I sh- I'm nearly 30. I should not be tired. It shouldn't. Uh, humans just are amazing, wonderful, crazy, but then they're ugly, evil, sadistic, narcissistic. And you know, th- the quicker that people open their ears and listen instead of, immediately saying but i'm not a racist i didn't mean it like that oh it doesn't matter because you're not really black are you you know stupid questions i get yeah, now put suntan lotion on do you need to put suntan lotion on like do you burn mm-hmm. yes my uncle used to live in los angeles he's recently come back home for health issues and i remember one summer it was before my 18th birthday and i fell asleep and I was face down and I burnt the shit out of my back, literally. It had bubbled and he refused to put so, like after sun on me. I don't know if he's like, I'm your uncle, I can't touch you. So his friend um, d- d- did it for me, his wife. And I was like, please. And ever since then, from when I got burnt, I put factor 50 on. I don't care. I will burn. Like, I don't like sitting in the sun. I'm a water baby. I like to dip in and out of the ocean. But it's, it's the ignorance of, but do you put suntan lotion on? Do you... Do you have to put protection on? You know, you're black. You don't. You don't need it. It's actually weird that you even brought that up because that popped up on my timeline today, where where somebody, it was actually a black person, had posted on Twitter something to the effect of like, all you black people that are putting this, you know, chemical on your skin when you really need vitamin D, you need to be out there in the sun. Uh, black people don't burn, whatever, blah blah blah. And it's you know sparked a whole bunch of, of black folks getting on there and going like, we need you not to be telling people this because one, we do burn <laughs> just because yeah. you're black doesn't mean you don't burn and two black people are notoriously underdiagnosed with skin cancer because it, it is harder to d- detect you know visibly depending on the darkness of someone's skin but also because of that belief that black people don't burn or that black people can't get skin cancer because melanin is nature's natural protectant or whatever it doesn't mean that you're not cook you're still cooking yourself plus we're, we're out here with thinner ozone than we've ever had before there's uv rays and things like that we do actually need to be protecting our skin no matter what shade of brown that we are and it's it's things like that that level of ignorance the thing about the ignorance that forces a person to ask a question i especially when there's google now like if you want to be racist and ask a racist question go to google first try to figure it out there because you're inflicting your racism and your ignorance on us and then we have to walk around feeling a kind of way all day long because of of shit that you've done you know i've had people ask you know i've had family once they found out that we were mixed with black ask if we ran fast if that meant we could run fast you know and it's because of lack of like in their case they were from japan and they don't have black people there that many black people out there and so they they only know the stereotypes 
that they've heard in, in American uh, music and TV mm. and things like that. And so they'll ask the questions based off of those stereotypes that, they, that they've seen. But even here in the States or, or any kind of place, you, you're going to get it. Um, with So did you grow up in a predominantly white area as well? Or I know you said you, you grew up in London, but were there other people of color around you when you were growing up? I grew up in Streatham. Um, which is southwest London, where Naomi Campbell is from, darling. And um, it was, it, it is a very multicultural place. You know, you've got people from all different nationalities, um, different religions. And my school was mixed. It had black kids, mixed race kids, white kids, a- Indian kids, Asian kids, you name it, you know. Um, then when I went to secondary school, which is in Richmond, which is a very, you know, high end, white populated area, I went to a school that my year was the largest intake to regenerate it and a lot of the kids were from one parent families um a lot of black mixed race children asian again um but we were the biggest intake for that year so for there was four groups and there was 30 kids in each group so that was for my year alone then when it got to after my sister's year because my sister's um was two years behind me in school we're 18 months difference but she was two years behind me in um, school um they then started to just try and keep it for the local area it wasn't because how they do it in the uk for schools is you have to live within a certain amount of miles so for one school mm-hmm. they said i lived one street too far away so i ended up having to go to school in richmond which was an hour away from my house on the train so i'd be leaving my house at like seven in the morning to get to school for half eight in an area that's far away it, that was an hour away yeah I could have gone to a school that was five minutes away but they said my street was one road too far but um yeah I've, I've I'm more close with my mom's side of the family which is mixed race but predominantly white um I'm, a lot of my friends are white I don't have a lot of black friends um Sometimes I feel like I'm a fraud to have black friends and when I'm with them I don't act black enough. I used to get called a bounty at school because I looked black but I'd act white. I'd also get you act white. I was like what? Because I'm because I speak well. I don't I didn't speak with slang. I was like I was brought up. I wasn't dragged up. So right. yeah, I used to get called like a bounty or a coconut. So a bounty is a chocolate bar, but it's coconut on the inside, white des- uh, desiccated coconut and then it's coated in milk chocolate on the outside. So basically saying you're black on the outside, but you act white on the outside. So this is this is something that, again, crosses all cultures and all kinds of things, because here in the States, that idea is, is is an Oreo cookie where it's a chocolate cookie on the outside mm. and white cream filling on the inside. And mm. that's what you are if you're black presenting, but you quote unquote act white. And we really got to stop doing that to ourselves within our own community because you're not acting any kind of way but where you're from I mean I grew up in the hood where and the white kids who grew up in the hood with us which there were like five of them they sounded just like the black kids the Mexican kids and the Asian kids in our neighborhood also sounded like the black kids so for us that was the like yeah it was predominantly black neighborhood but it was that was the culture of the neighborhood so all of us from that neighborhood sounded that way but out in the world it's viewed as sounding black and so you sound black or whatever yeah I mean I always felt at home in London because you always would walk the sh- you wouldn't feel awkward because there was always somebody around that looked like you you didn't feel like you were on your own whereas you know I went to Canada and it was very predominantly white I didn't realize that you think oh because it's quite close to America maybe it is no, but yeah. it's we ended up in a small ski town in Revelstoke and I could count the amount of black people on one hand you know I was speaking to one of my managers when I was there and I said you know one of my friends doesn't go out to restaurants in this town anymore because she got shouted at by a waitress for not tipping even though there was 10 people on the table and they'd already tipped but she genuinely couldn't afford to tip she's like I don't go out anymore Molly she's like I just get abuse and she's like I won't put my daughter in daycare because I'm scared they're just gonna forget about her Mm. you know she's from Jamaica she's like I'm scared that she's gonna get neglected she's like I'd rather be off with her than leave her with people I just don't trust them with her because I don't want anything bad to happen and the fact was that she had to say that just broke my heart because you could tell her little girl just wanted some little people to yeah, hang out with kids. kids don't see they don't see color like that of course they see color but they don't they don't see division um through the color right yeah they just see oh look there's another small person that's just small like me it's not you know it's all education starts at home and then it then it goes on to school the people you hang out with and things like that and you know my mom is mixed race and when her dad used to come over for used to be in the uk because he ended up moving to new york she would link on his arm and just hang off him and be like this is my dad this is my dad 
like she was bigging up. She's like, this is my black dad. Like, this is him. She used to get her hair permed so she looked like she had an afro because my mum is mixed race but she looks like she's got Caucasian, she has Caucasian hair but you know she used to be a reggae girl back in like the 70s when she was growing up she always loved like she's like I just love black men and I think they're beautiful she loves white men too but you know that's just what she wanted that connection with her background she wanted that you know she wanted mixed race kids because she's mixed race she wanted them to have curly afro hair even though she was evil with the brush man jesus <laughs> you know she's always been an advocate for it she's like if someone asks you what color you are what do you say i'm like mixed race she's like no you, she said you say you're black because that's what you are she was like own it you know she calls me and my sister her dusky maidens which i don't know if that is appropriate to say or not mm-hmm. but you know but she 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 loves it well she dusky said, isn't really something that's commonly used here in the states but i do recall that being a way to describe someone as browner yeah, it's kind of like slightly tanned yeah it's, it's all right if it's your mom and swarthy it's between, yeah she never meant it but in any offense but um yeah it's it's difficult especially getting older i feel like i'm a lot more conscious of what's going on around me and how people are looking at me or approaching me like I've been on buses and older people will grab their bag and hold it close to them because they think I'm going to steal something from you a I'm not going to prison for you and b there's nothing in your bag I want I could go buy it if I really wanted it like I'm not I'm not here to be stealing people's things I just want to eat good food and knit and have Mm. a good time and I know like how how often I wonder when people do think of a person of color as a threat in some kind of way or that they're going to try to steal or anything like that it's like my whole thing is how often are you thinking Thinking about wanting to steal from somebody because the average person is probably not fantasizing about I'm going to grab that bag and take off or anything like that. Like I don't have the time, the energy, the desire. I don't, I'm not thinking about you. You're thinking about me far more than I'm thinking about you in this right, instance you're if you're about afraid what of you me. need to make for dinner. Or- right. Yeah, bills to pay, you know. Yeah, it's the last thing that's on your mind. And yeah, it's we could could talk about it forever. But Mm -hmm. I I would definitely say I'm at that point where I'm not an advocate for everybody that is mixed race. Everybody has different stories to tell and how they want to make the world a better place. But yeah, you're only responsible for your own experience and your own story yeah exactly so you know some people will agree with some of the things i've said and some people won't and that's okay that's that's your opinion you don't have to then go you know i don't think social media is a great tool but also it's it's a shit tool because people go behind and become keyboard warriors and say things they would never say to your face you know people don't know the difference between an opinion and a fact and sometimes you need to sit down and think it over before you say something am i upset with what the that person said their opinion or is it a fact and actually what they said is wrong you know there's things I'm saying here that are opinions and you're not gonna you're not gonna agree with me and that's absolutely cool but we, you know we need to be bringing each other up not taking each other down and I think that's that's where we'll we'll make progress but you know each to their own yeah well we are coming to the end of the show before we wrap up I would just have one last question to ask oh my what gosh. do you love about being mixed because we deal with a lot of stuff like we've heard on this episode you know we deal with a lot of of pain and and ignorance and racism towards us because we're mixed and and as you said when you were younger you didn't you just kind of wish you were whiter so that life could be a little bit easier or whatever but now that you're older and you've embraced the mixedness a little bit more what do you love about being mixed what do i love i love the fact that i get a mixture of nationalities as that makes me me i get to enjoy caribbean food english food i get to enjoy different pastimes i get to find out different histories it's not just one country it's from you know various countries um i love that i don't have to go and pay to get my lips done they are naturally plump i do love my curly hair even when it's short and needs some love and tlc i like that when i do put hair products in it smells like coconuts and people are always like mm, what's that smell i'm like it's my hair i, I just you know I, I can't help that my parents fell in love and, and made me and my sister but I'm glad that they did and I'm glad that hopefully someone might be listening to this around the world and it strikes a chord with them and they might be in a really shit place but they might think actually I felt like that too and it's being there for each other and and just I don't know I just I love I love being mixed I like how my skin tans is that bad to say that <laughs> <laughs> I mean um, some of us like I'm I'm one of the ones that my biggest complex in my in growing up was that I wasn't dark enough like I grew up around black people and I was pale so 
for me, my standard of beauty was dark skin and blackness. And I, I couldn't, like as a kid, I thought, oh, I'll never be beautiful because I'll never look like the people around me. And so, you know, I don't unnaturally tan. I don't unnaturally enhance my skin uh, color like I'm not taking pills to brown my skin or anything like that like but you know I live in LA I live by the beach I go and I tan and when I am darker I do feel more comfortable with myself but I'll never be the kind of dark where a white person could tell I'm black black people can tell yeah. I'm black by looking at me but not not white folks and and stuff like that so you know like if you I'm tan, I just feel healthier I, I like you said in that I, yeah I say the same proper thing representation not proper but yeah I just look healthier I feel better about it about myself and yeah I just I'm at that point in life now where I just really don't give a shit and you either like me or you don't and that's fine you're not here on the earth to make other people like you you're here for your own private journey mm-hmm. no, I and agree. you just gotta yeah. love yourself yeah I agree do you want you want to tell people how they can how they can follow you if uh, they can learn Hi, more guys. about your yarn dyeing and your your travels oh okay so I've got two I've got the mixed chick travels and the chick is spelled C-H-I-Q um, and then I've got my yarn company that I'm starting at the moment as we speak called The Mimo Yarn Co. And you can find that on my link. If you want to follow me, follow me. If you don't, don't. But just <laughs> pop up there and say, hey. Thank- All right. Well, thank you so much for, for joining me and sharing. I'm, I'm glad that you we are- got to do it. Yeah, you got to do it and that you're working your way through some of the things about mixedness that have been frustrating or difficult or, or, or painful and, yeah, and all that. Thank you for letting me come on your show and to talk about it. Really appreciate it. Militantly Mix is a main hustle media podcast, produced and hosted by me, Charmaine Fury. Music is by David Bogan the One. You can follow us on social media on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at Militantly Mixed. If you'd like to become a sponsor of Militantly Mixed, please go to patreon.com slash militantlymixed for monthly sponsorship or paypal.me slash militantlymixed for a one-time only donation. And if you like what you hear on Militantly Mixed, please subscribe, rate, and review on iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts. And don't forget to be your mixed-ass self. Main Hustle Media. Turn your side hustle into your main hustle.